Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. And welcome to Nature Folk with Selena Fox. Brought to us every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern here on the Pegasus Tonight Radio Network. Nature Folk with Selena Fox is a production of the Circle Sanctuaries Radio Ministry Program. Tonight's program is a rebroadcast of the Circle Craft Studies Program with Selena Fox from April of 2014, where Selena discussed ways of creating and facilitating local and global rights to protect ecosystems, to repair environmental damage, and to educate and motivate humans to live sustainably. This is Environmental Healing Magic. Enjoy. Welcome to Circle Craft Study with Selena Fox. This is Selena Fox, and tonight we take a look at environmental healing rituals. We begin with a prayer that I created for Earth Day many years ago and have updated in recent years. Prayer for planetary healing. May we stop soil contamination and deforestation. May we bring forth cleaner soil and reforestation. Power of the sacred earth, guide us in this work to bring healing to planet earth. May we stop air poisoning and ozone layer depletion. May we bring forth cleaner air and atmosphere restoration. Power of the sacred air, guide us in this work to bring healing to planet Earth. May we stop energy wastefulness and pollution may we bring forth cleaner energy energy conservation power of the sacred fire guide us in this work to bring healing to planet earth may we stop water pollution and ocean destruction May we bring forth cleaner water and ocean preservation. Power of the sacred water, guide us in this work to bring healing to planet Earth. May we put an end to social and spiritual toxicity. May we bring forth peace and spiritual harmony. Power of sacred spirit, guide us in this work to bring healing to planet Earth. May we live in harmony with other humans. May we live in harmony with all of nature on this planet and beyond. May we work together to end planetary sickness. 
may we work together to bring forth planetary wellness. Power of Mother Nature, guide us in this work to bring healing to planet Earth. So be it. Tonight we're going to take a look at working with rituals to aid in the quest for a better environment for planetary healing and well-being and for environmental protection, preservation, renewal on very local levels, regional levels, and global levels. There are different types of rituals that can be done. And rituals can be done in different settings and with different numbers of participants. It's important to reflect on possibilities as part of ritual planning and come up with the right ritual form and component parts, the right location and timing, configuration of participants. Sometimes rituals are done as a personal solitary rite. Sometimes they're done as a small group ritual sometimes as a large group or community ritual. And some workings have people taking part in the ceremony, not only being physically present, but also have people join in spirit from wherever they may be on the planet. There are different focal points for environmental healing rituals. An important focal point can be to really enhance human attunement to one or more dimensions of the natural world. This entombment may have to do with a particular location. It can be an attunement to aspects involved with a particular environmental situation. That attunement may be more universal for the planet as a whole. The focal point may be something that is very specific. Some particular aspect of environmental 
issue or crisis or situation. It might be a combination of environmental issues. It may be a ritual that has both specifics as well as more universal components. Another aspect to consider, what are the experiences and backgrounds of those taking part in the environmental healing ritual? Is the ritual the main focus of an event, or is it part of a number of events and activities that are happening around a particular situation? If you have a group of people who have worked together over time and are very connected with each other, then the focus can be arrived at collaboratively and can be energized more simply. When you have people in the group doing the ritual, having to do with some healing or wellness component to the environment, um, people who have really diverse backgrounds that have never worked together before, then it's important to build into the ritual some explanation of what the ritual's about, some aspects of the ritual. Sometimes it's a moment of silence or a chant that people do together or an object that serves as common ground for the participants to help them join together as a group for the ritual. Location. Are all of those taking part in the ritual going to be at one place? Are you going to have a synchronized working where everyone will be doing the same ritual, or working with some similar chants and images over a period of time, such as sunset local time, so that it's like a time-release ritual. Is everyone going to be together in one place? And if so, is that place indoors? Is it outdoors? Does the ritual move from one location to another. Many different considerations as you do planning for environmental healing rituals. What is the purpose of the ritual that you have in mind? Is it to build awareness of an issue? Is it to motivate the participants to collaborate together and with others, and to take some follow-up action. Is 
it doesn't have more than one purpose. Does the ritual have as one of its um, reasons for being, being able to build community and to deepen bonds amongst the participants so that they will continue to help manifest the healing long after the ritual is over. These are all important considerations as you consider doing environmental healing work. And in doing the ceremony, is the ceremony done privately? Is it done very publicly? Not only in a public park, but will there be photographs, videos of the ceremony? Will they be shared online at websites and social media? And what type of items do you need for the ritual? Who will be facilitating it, taking parts? Will the ritual be very structured? Or will it be something that's more spontaneous? Or does the ritual structure include spontaneous parts? The larger the ritual is in terms of numbers of people attending, the more important it is to really think through logistics and do ritual planning so that the structure flows and that you have an ability for those taking part to engage with the ritual from wherever they are that may necessitate the use of microphones. Um, they, you may need to have a stage or some other place where more people can see what the central action may be. A number of different considerations. Now I'd like to talk a bit about some of my own work with doing environmental healing ceremonies and environmental healing as part of larger ceremonies. I first started doing environmental healing and wellness rituals back in 1971. The very first public pagan ritual I did was a celebration of spring. It included an attunement to the springtime and a calling forth of forms of the divine that I continue to work with in my life today. Dionysus, a kind of green man, whose roots go back to pagan Greece, and Mother Earth, known as Terra amongst the Romans, Gaia among the Greeks. And in working with this god form and this goddess form, not only 
was this an educational exercise and done as part of um, my work at a college campus where I was doing my undergraduate work. But it served as a way of deepening for me, who was facilitating the right, my own awareness and attunement to the green world through Dionysus and to the planet as a whole through Mother Earth. Our ceremony was celebratory. It was a time of enjoying spring, of connecting with each other, of connecting old traditions of welcoming in the springtime. But it also included an attunement to the green world and Mother Earth as the ritual culminates. Over the years, I have incorporated attunement to the elements, the earth, the air, the fire, the water, the spirit, as part of ceremonies that I do, and environmental healing ceremonies in particular, working to honor the elements and to attune to them and to put forth prayers for balance of humankind with the elements and the elements with each other. One of the things that I do as part of our monthly full moon circles is to have a healing aspect of each ceremony that we do. There's a component for bringing healing and wellness to those of us who are gathered for ourselves, prayers and meditations and chants to help us grow and develop as individuals. There are prayers for those who are not physically present that are in need of healing. Prayers for situations and circumstances that may be in the news, may be impacting um, individuals, groups of people, whole regions. And we conclude our healing work at our full moon circles with planetary healing prayers and blessings. One of the tools that I have used over the years for planetary healing work, working on focusing group and individual attentions on being connected with the earth, working together for a better world, is to have on the altar an image of the earth. Sometimes this takes the form of a small globe. Sometimes it's a picture of a part of the earth taken 
as part of space exploration. Sometimes the Earth image is a large inflatable Earth. I have one such um, globe that is easily held in uh, individuals' hands, but I have one much larger that takes several people to hold up. One of the reasons for having a visual aid of showing the earth in some way, it can help focus group attention on the planet as a whole. It not only is a common focusing device, but it also can bring into our awareness that we are part of that much larger world, that planet Earth is our home, and it literally is common ground for us. For many years, I have guided people in different ceremonies that involve planetary healing in envisioning the whole Earth glowing with a radiant light, that light being love, peace, cooperation, collaboration, well-being. By working with that image, individuals can join together and energize that vision. Sometimes, in addition to the envisioning, we chant, we call to the planet Earth as Earth Spirit or as Mother Earth often. We, in outdoor ceremonies, may physically get down on the ground and not only connect with the place where we're doing the ritual, but planet Earth as a whole. Another method that I have used in planetary healing ceremonies is to have some type of object that we bless together as a group and then take these objects, each of us taking one into our home area. For many years, I've used small clear quartz crystals, have had those blessed by the group holding the intention of planetary well-being and projecting that into the crystals. And then everyone taking part in the ceremony as the ceremony concludes, takes one of those crystals with them and then puts it on their own home altar or takes it to a sacred site, buries it in the earth as a way of symbolically taking the healing done together as a group and manifesting it, but also energetically letting it go out in many directions to continue the healing force 
of the ceremony. In addition to working with environmental healing and well-being in a more global and universal sense, from time to time, I craft and facilitate rituals with a very specific focus. Sometimes these are rituals connected with protecting some aspect of the environment. A number of years ago, near Hatpoint, Minnesota, a 500-year-old cedar tree was in danger of possibly being cut down by developers. The tree originally was something held sacred by Ashinaabe, Ojibwe, or some people know as Chippewa, Native Americans, but the land over time was no longer tribal land. I was part of a series of rituals and actions to preserving that tree, which was known as the witch tree. I'm happy to report that funds were raised to purchase the land and the right convergence of individuals and groups came together not only to purchase the land but to return the land to the native peoples that had been working with that particular site for hundreds of years. As part of ritual work, we had an image of the tree that we shared, that we had at the center of our rituals. Rituals not only served to send spiritual blessings to the tree to protect it, but the rituals also served to deepen connections with individuals concerned about the tree's well-being and to motivate those who were taking part in the ritual to follow up the prayers with social action. Some of the rituals that I helped with were at our big summer solstice gathering, the Pagan Spirit Gathering, and this was many years ago when it was at a site in Wisconsin. In addition to our community doing environmental protection prayers for that piece of land in that particular tree, we joined energetically in our ceremonies and between ceremonies with Native people also working for this goal, as well as people of many different paths and backgrounds. I also went to the tree physically and 
did my own tree honoring, placing sacred herbs at the base of the tree as offerings, along with prayers of blessing and protection. The tree on Lake Superior overlooking this amazing great lake. For hundreds of years, that tree was used as a guardian of sorts of life on the lake. And those native peoples and some of the French voyagers and others, traders who were there, would make offering to the tree before setting out and traveling by water across the lake. Rituals were done at that site before, and then when the site and the tree were threatened, rituals of a different kind were also being done there, working with the spirit of the land, the spirit of traditions, the spirit of the tree, to help bless that place and that tree. So may it continue to grow and thrive. I'm glad that it is now a protected place. There are other places around the world, whether they're ceremonial sites or not, that are in danger of being harmed by pollutants, or places of natural beauty in danger of being totally changed as development moves in. So there is a variety of types of rituals for protection that can be done in helping a place, a type of creature, a type of plant, some other aspect of the environment to protect it from harm and to bring about wellness and support. Visualization, group, prayers, circle dancing, energy raising, using photographs to help raise awareness of the plights of places and the importance of coming together and working together to protect the places. All of these are possible techniques and approaches for ritual activity. Sometimes the focal point is a particular creature or a particular plant that may be threatened or endangered. And in doing environmental healing and protection and well-being rituals, in these cases, it's important to spiritually attune yourself to the spirit of that life form. And as one does planning for the ceremony, to do one's best to be able to attune to that sacred form of life 
and get input is part of the ritual planning. In addition to rituals of protection, there are rituals that can be done following environmental disaster. These might be human-created disasters, such as oil spills in large bodies of water or on land, or they may be disasters connected with climate change. Um, Certainly, I have crafted some very special rituals for the aftermath of a number of disasters, the earthquake, tsunami, and nuclear plant problems in Japan, Um, in the Philippines, those that were impacted by Typhoon Haiyan or Loyanda. Um, these particular places and situations certainly can be benefited by having people from a distance use prayers, meditations, energy raising to support the aftermath, the healing, the rescue, the recovery, the relief, the renewal of these um, disasters. And rituals that are done include prayers and invocations, chants, can also be reinforced by social action. In the case of the Philippines, in which the typhoon hit on November 8th in 2013, I crafted a seven-candle ritual, kindling each candle with a specific intention. The first candle was for the Philippines, the country, the nation, the place. The second, sending blessings to the survivors. The third, remembrances and blessings for the dead and the dying. The fourth, loved ones impacted by the typhoon. And empowering quests to reunite with other loved ones. The fifth candle for rescue and recovery. Supporting all of those who are involved in those efforts. The sixth candle for relief and renewal. putting forth prayers that needed supplies and help would come together. 
the seventh candle for the world community. And having the aftermath of this tragedy be turned into an opportunity to bring more healing, not only in this situation, but in the world as a whole, emphasizing the need for collaboration, cooperation, compassion, understanding amongst people the world over, for indeed this was an international relief effort. Also involved in looking at environmental healing is to take a look at some of the ways that elements are in physical realities and spiritual dimensions on planet Earth. The element of Earth How are humans working with that element? What is happening to how humankind connects with soil and rocks? Taking a look at the air, what's the impact of humans? on the air that we breathe. A need for cleaner air. The element of fire, energy, sources of energy. The need for renewable and sustainable energy. The element water, the need for cleaner water, more abundant clean water, not only for humans, but plants and creatures and the world over. I have worked with a variety of elemental rituals, and I'd like to share a bit about some water rituals that I've done. I was able to put together a Pagan Pride Day Sacred Waters Ceremony last year in the autumn of 2013. And I invited people at each of the Pagan Pride Day events that I was speaking at and doing ritual at around the USA. I invited the people in each community to bring water from their own home areas. And we had a cauldron at each of these ceremonies. I began at the Chicago Pagan Pride Day and had those who are present in the ceremony bring the water up and add it to the cauldron. Being able to express the pagan tradition they are from as well as some form of blessing, uh, well wishes for the planet in a particular way or in a 
larger way. And after all who had wanted to pour water into the cauldron had done their blessings and prayers, we, myself and the coordinators of the event, with a very large wooden spoon that served as a stirring device and a wand directed group attention and with chanting, we energized those waters. And then for people that wish to, following the ceremony, everyone had a chance to bring forth a container and get a bit of that water to take back into their home areas. Um, I began a journey with the waters I got from that event and um, went to other pagan pride days around the country, taking some of the water from the original pagan pride day in Chicago and doing a similar ritual in other communities, pouring water that had been blessed at one place into a cauldron at another and joining it with blessings and waters from many different places. And um, the last of the places where we did the water blending and blessing was in South New Jersey. And um, I still have some of that water that I've taken back into my own home area and that I've used in ritual sense, representing people coming together with their different traditions, but also the intentions of really wanting us as humans to be in better relation with water and the rest of the natural world. When I was in New Orleans, where we also did a water ritual, we, in addition to doing the water blending, we had another cauldron and we blended soil from different places. And following that ceremony, I took some of the blessed soil and everyone could take some soil um, into their own home areas to sprinkle on their gardens, um, to use at ritual locations. I took some of that soil and placed it along the roots of a beautiful old tree that was planted in the 1700s and continues to be thriving, a live oak that's in a place known as Audubon Park, a place dedicated to um, environmental education and appreciation. And I must say, being able to take soil that people from many different spiritual paths had brought and mixed and blessed and to scatter some of that very rich, wonderful soil amongst the roots of the tree was a really powerful experience and a way of going full circle and connecting with the power of earth. And the water from the Greater New Orleans Pagan Pride Day, some of that water we blended together, had come from the Mississippi, and I returned it to the Mississippi. Um, here again, going full circle. In addition to doing ceremonies 
that bring people together. Sometimes the ceremony takes the form of motivating people in the greater work of bringing about a better world, a more sustainable future. And one of the things that I sometimes do at Earth Day ceremonies I facilitate is to have a time during the ceremony where everyone attunes to the sacred planet Earth and invites guidance to come to each of them about something they can do to help bring about more healing and wellness on the planet. And during ceremony, following that meditative experience, giving expression to that guidance in the form of acknowledging it and pledging in the company of others to do that so that the power of that earth resonance and that guidance continues on long after the ceremony is done. Environmental healing ritual work can educate, can be an opportunity to collaborate, and to motivate and activate healing long beyond the ceremony itself. And I hope tonight that as you have connected with some of these ideas, that you will find some that will be useful in your own spiritual practice and in ways to be part of the solutions instead of the pollutions that are happening on planet Earth. We give thanks for our connection with the sacred elements, with the sacred planet that is our home, with the green ones, with the creatures, with the community of life on planet Earth, with the sacred dimensions of nature in this world and beyond. May we continue to work together for environmental healing now and in the times to come. So mote it be. And that was an encore edition of Circle Craft Studies with Selena Fox from April of 2014. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our friends at the Witches School International for their Pagan Standard Radio Network and allowing Circle Sanctuary this opportunity to reach our community. And now, 
in preparation for Celia Farron joining Circle Minister Deborah Rose on Circle Talk, which is coming up next. We're going to transition with some great music by Celia, starting with Red, Alabaster, and Blue. Stay tuned for Celia on Circle Talk. She is a young African-American male. By the time he had drafted, he might be dead or live in jail. And he found his life of crime when they said no child left behind. He's an American, too. She is 90 with dementia all alone. Well, his family couldn't take it, so they put her in that home. And now she withers down to bones. At night, she gently moans. She's an American too She is a young monger refugee She's four with a child If her daddy finds out He will go insanely wild They say they understand her plight Call themselves the Christian light She's an American too And all they Yeah. 
Welcome to Circle, Circle Talk Radio, a production of Circle Sanctuary's radio ministry program. Join us here every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern following the Nature Folk Program with the Reverend Selena Fox as we discuss various topics of interest to the pagan community. Circle Talk Radio is hosted on alternating weeks by Circle Sanctuary Ministers Jeanette and David Ewing and Circle Minister Deborah Rose. And before we begin, we would like to express our thanks to the Witches School International and their Pagans Tonight Radio Network for allowing us this opportunity to reach the community. For more information about Circle Sanctuary, please visit us on the web at www.circlesanctuary.org. And for more information about our friends at the Witcher School, please visit them on the web at www.witchschool.com. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host tonight on Circle Talk. Tonight, we begin a new series on Circle Talk. For the next several months, we'll be highlighting the musicians and presenters that will be at PSG. 2018. As we feature our musicians, we'll hear their stories and also get to listen to their music. And remember, as you listen to Circle Talk tonight and for the next couple of weeks, that you will get to hear all of our featured musicians in concert if you attend the Pagan Spirit Gathering or PSG this summer during Summer Solstice Week from June 17 to 24, 2018 at the Tall Tree Lake Campground in Southern Illinois. Want more information or need to register? Go to thecirclesanctuary.org and click the event tab, and there you'll find information and registration for PSG. I'm so excited and pleased to be able to kick off this series tonight with someone who is a Circle Sanctuary favorite, Celia. Celia is an everyday goddess with rusty red locks and twinkling eyes, which casts a spell of enchantment upon her listeners. Blessed with multiple talents in the realms of music, theater, dance, and storytelling, Celia greets her audience with a warm, deep, resonant experience. Singer, songwriter, comedian, she has been described as a cross between an earthy Enya, Joan Baez, and Tina Fey. She dishes up the most delicious concoction of the delighting audiences across the nation, and especially at PSG. In addition to having the kind of sultry, smooth voice often associated with classic Celtic singers, such as Celtic Woman, she excels at comedy. She often transforms right on stage into one or more of her alter egos. These antics typically leave the audience howling with laughter, and I can second that because I've attended her concert. With powerful, heartfelt vocals and wacky comedic improvisations, the audience never knows what will happen with her on stage. She's from Wisconsin and calls Preston, Arizona home. Julia is a featured musician at Peggy's Spirit Gathering this year, so remember... If you want to attend one of her concerts, you have to register. There's so much fun, and they're as wonderful as she is. Let's bring her on the show. Welcome, Celia. 
Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to get to see you. So tell us what's been going on with you. Oh, my goodness. Well, at the moment, I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico on a perpetual tour. And I just said my, my bio, and um, I don't live in Prescott anymore. I don't live anywhere anymore. Oh, you do. I am in road. Wow. You just always, always on the road? <laughs> I am in motion, yes. So I don't know where home is going to be, but it's right now in Santa Fe, New Mexico, because that's where I am. So I am traveling and touring. Uh, from here, I go to Las Cruces next weekend to do some things, then Texas. I'll be in Austin, San Antonio, New Braunfels, Houston, and doing the CMA um, event in um, between Houston and San Antonio. So I'm I'm kind of just moving along, making my way to PSG, recording, creating, doing concerts, and connecting with awesome people everywhere I go. Tell folks if they would like to come see you in concert and they want to know where you are, what's a good website or where can they go? Well, one of the best is my website is uh, CeliaOnline.com. I'll spell it C-E-L-I-A-O-N-L-I-N-E.com. If you want to get on my email list and get monthly and bi-monthly updates of where I'll be, you can go to CeliaSings.com, C-E-L-I-A-S-I-N-G-S.com, and get three free songs, and that also gets you on my email list. And then if you're on Facebook, you can go to my Celia Farron music and comedy page. That's C-E-L-I-A Farron, F as in Frank, A-R-R-A-N as in Nancy. You can go to my Celia Farron music and comedy page, go to the events, and you can see all of my events there as well. So there are a few options of how you can find out what Celia is up to and where you can be in the same space and catch a concert. There you go. Well, let's start out, and here's some music, and one of my favorites. Actually, I'm going to be saying that all night long. Um, Everyday Goddess. It's really no big deal, and this is Everyday Goddess. She's a mother up to work. She is driving in her car. She's a goddess. Goddess in her heart She's that woman on the phone 
I just love that song. Tell me what came first, the music of the words, or how did that song come to be? Yeah, thank you so much for that question. Well, typically when I write a song, they both come together. Um, and so that song came about, I was living in New York City, and I'm very kinesthetic. So if I take walks or if I'm on a train or in motion or driving in my car, creativity just flows. And so I was doing a lot of walking in New York City, as you could imagine, and I had just taken a course on Celtic mythology and learned about the Morrigan and the maiden, the mother, and the crone. And as I was walking, that just the, the chorus of that is really no big deal. I'm just an everyday goddess came to me. And it sat with me for a long time before it ever turned into a full-fledged song. It was just, just the chorus. And um, when I was recording my Breathe album, Willie Porter, who produced it, said, we need something else. We need, we need another song to just sort of round this out. Give me everything you've ever written, even if it's snippets. And I said, well, I've got a song that I've been working on that's kind of like this. There's one like this. There's one called Everyday Goddess. There's one that he said, whoa, whoa, what? It's called what? <laughs> I said, it's called Everyday Goddess. I kind of sang him the chorus. He said, do that one. I was like, seriously? You think the world's ready for that? Am I ready for that? He was like, that's do that one. The song was never written for that album. It was never even intended to go anywhere. But due to his prodding, that song got flushed out and turned into what we now know as the Everyday Goddess song. So that's how it came to be. So do you get inspiration all the time? I mean, or do you have to, like, put yourself in a space that you're going to create? How does it work for you? Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> I have a, a song that's not recorded yet, but I've been playing live. It's called Bard to the Bone. It's a fun story how that <laughs> came to be as well. And one of the lines in the song is, um, oh, could you just see me as a creatrix? I just channel what comes through. I've got a polyamorous relationship with the muse because there's so many of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I am getting inspiration and ideas all of the time. No, I never need to get myself into a space. It's like I'm always there. I'm very blessed with uh -huh. being consistently and constantly in a creative place. The, the challenge is then to ground it and root it, to take all of those snippets and ideas, like the Everyday Goddess song was just a snippet, right, until it got grounded uh -huh. into completion. So grounding a song into completion to actually producing and sharing, that's the trick. I mean, have you ever have you ever had like the lyrics and or the music and had a hard time getting the other to come? Mm hmm. Such a good question. <laughs> uh, no. No. I've never had a hard time creating anything. Um that's so I think the the basic thing for me is commitment. So it's that grounding it all the way through to committing to completion. So if I have a snippet of something, I just need to decide that that song needs to be born and then everything falls into place to make it happen. I, I don't understand writer's block. I've never had it. I, I have great compassion for those who say they have had it. Uh -huh. I, I don't know if it's my, my Capricorn stick to Just I won't take no for an answer. If I want something done, I'm going to create it. So that's sort of how I see it. Well, let's hear another song. 
Um, let's do, um, please bless this place. Please bless this space.
because in a lot of your songs, it does sound like you are with a choir or a duet. Explain to us what looping is and how you discovered this. Oh, okay. So looping. Live looping is an art form where you have a device, normally at your feet. I use it at my feet. And uh, you can record a track live, and then it loops right back around in real time, and then you can add another track recording live. And so every time it loops around, you can add another track in real time. So I do this song, Please Bless This Space, as a live loop often in my concerts or at, um, I do Unity or UU services. It works really well for that. So by the end of a song, a live loop song, I can sound like a choir with that technology. It is wicked hard to do because you have to be dead in real time. You also Mm -hmm. have to match your own vocal tone, create each new layer um, succinctly and clearly and correctly each time because when you're looping live, no matter what you do, it's coming back to you. It's coming back around. (laughs) So it. It makes you really, really honest, and it's made me a much better live performer. Now, what we just listened to was not a live loop. That was done in the studio. I have even more opportunity to add more voices, more levels, more layers, more instruments. And it's just the same as any multi-tracking. Um, it's, a lot of times I spend my time alone. I don't have other musicians, so I use myself uh-huh. as my backup <laughs> musicians. So <laughs> what you just heard is just many, many, many layers and tracks. So I'm singing that, each different harmony part, and I'm the way I get it to sound like it's so many voices is that I sing the <laughs> same part over and over and over again, and then I sing the next harmony over and over and over again, and the next harmony over and over again. So you're actually getting four Celia's singing the main part and four Celia's singing the harmony or more. So that's how tracking works in the studio, That's a different art form, very different art form. That's more producing than a Mm -hmm. live loop, basically recording on the fly, live in real time in front of an audience. Wow. All this just shows how talented you are. And that is, I love that song. But I would have thought that you were standing in front of a huge choir behind you. So uh, um, kudos to you. It's just absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you. I um, first learned of you or um, heard of you when I first started going to PSG and when um, I heard your song, Symbol. That is when I just started going to PSG. Tell us a little bit about that, um, what the song means and and, um, how it came to be. Mm, Okay, the Symbol song. Many others have found me in the pagan world through the symbol song. The way that song came to be was I was um, working on the business end of the music business, and I was um, answering emails and working on bookings and promotings, and an email came through from Circle Sanctuary from Selena Fox about the story of Sergeant Patrick Stewart, who was a soldier in Afghanistan uh, in the Air Force and was shot, his plane or helicopter was shot down. He was killed in combat. And um, his widow, Roberta, had asked for a pentacle on his grave marker, and the VA denied the request. Most people Uh listening to this will probably be familiar with this. And Mm -hmm. so I, 
I was kind of stunned when I heard that story, and I, I actually stepped away from the computer, picked up my guitar, and wrote the symbol song because I was so stunned that a soldier wow. could fight for rights that he was not being honored with upon his death. It was just so stark to me. And didn't know a lot about what I was writing about. I really didn't. I just knew it was wrong, and it had to mm-hmm. be made right. And this song was my attempt to, to say something about it. It became known as the anthem to the Pentacle Quest, and mm-hmm. I played it all over the country that year. Everywhere I sang, no matter where I sang, I sang that song because I so strongly believe in freedom of belief, no matter what that belief is. Um, I believe there's as many beliefs as there are beings. Mm-hmm. And when we start to truly honor that in each other, when we start really listening to each other, really hearing, seeing, accepting, honoring each being's belief, that's when I think we're going to reach that level of heaven on earth that we're all seeking. Or most of us, I think, are seeking whether we know it or not. So Mm -hmm. that song um, changed my musical career uh, greatly. And I knew that when I wrote that song, it would. And it was a risk for me to do that as a singer-songwriter. And I couldn't be any happier with how that turned out. Uh, It was challenging at first. Just like the Everyday Goddess song, I'm like, is the world ready for this? Can I be the person to say these words? Is it, you know, now I I sing those words and I own them completely. Uh, But I didn't at first, you know, and the symbol song was a bit risky because the world, um, I knew the world was going to label me. And I know (laughs) so many people in the pagan world have had challenges with the projection of the world of what the P word pagan means to other people and what it doesn't mean. And to walk in a world where there's a lot of judgment and um, unkindness based on misbelief. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a razor's edge and I honor anyone who takes the risk to be themselves completely in the face of adversity. That's nothing short of a miracle. So that's, that's the song that's sort of part of my take on, on how the song um, serves my belief around beliefs. <laughs> and I'm very grateful that I got to be a part of changing history because um, shortly after the song was written and after many, many people, um, got on board for fighting for that freedom. Uh, the symbol is now, pentacle is now accepted as an emblem of belief, uh-huh. or hammer is now accepted as an emblem of uh-huh. belief for fallen soldiers. And it's just getting better and better all the time, expanding what's possible in people's view of what we can fight for, die for, and be honored for. Absolutely. And that pentacle quest what took um, was not... Um, a quick quest that was about a 10 year journey that um, Selena and you and many people um, went on in order to um, get that done. I remember again, the first time I heard this was you were singing it um, at PSG and I can just remember tears flowing down my face and, and I looked around and I saw many faces with tears down them. And it's like you I'm going to cry now. You gave me words that I ha- that I didn't even know that I had. So I, I love that song, and I'd like to just thank you. And let's hear it now, Symbol. 
An American soldier came home today, wrapped up as cargo in an American flag. He asked for one sweet silent symbol on his grave, but the VA gun said, "Sorry, son, request denied." Well, he served as any other with his hands and with his heart. He prayed to Father Sky. He bowed down to Mother Earth. He honored air and water and the fire. He danced around, but you didn't honor him before you put him in the ground. It's a symbol. It's a sign. It stands for everything divine. Excuse me, sir. I think you're wrong. Freedom of faith, freedom of religion, freedom to stand up and fight for what we believe. 
I love, love, love that song. Would you say that's probably one of your most famous, well-known for? Within the pagan world, I'd say yes. And like I mentioned to you, many people found me through that song in the pagan world, discovered me. Yeah, as mm-hmm. you did exactly. I would say Everyday Goddess is also really, really popular. Absolutely. It, yeah, and also you know because I do the comedy, the Trestlefoot Fairies, Doctor Bronner's makes your hoo hoo song, uh, hoo hoo tingle song, um, that became kind of known as a cult classic within the Trestlefoot Fairy realm. But there's different songs that are known for different reasons. So, yeah, within the pagan world, symbol is a way a lot of people stumbled upon me. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about because I, again, I knew you through symbol, and I have your um, um, CDs, and, and then I was kind of probably shocked is a good word when I saw you in concert, and you had this Lucille Ball hilarious, really funny side of you. Um, <laughs> tell us, talk about that. I was absolutely shocked. <laughs> I can't understand so why. <laughs> yeah, you're so funny. You create characters on stage. It's just wonderful. Tell us about that. Okay, Vegs. Well, yeah, it, it is the case. A lot of times, if somebody finds me through uh, a recording, it's very mm-hmm. different than when I'm performing live because I'm a born entertainer. I, I'm just theater's my background. I'm known for comedy as well as really deep, um, heartfelt things, as well as politically active things, you know, social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so a good way to say it is I, I was doing a show in Tucson, and there was a gal named Christine Marie who had a pagan radio show, and she was playing my stuff, and she'd never seen me live. You know, she only knew me from the music. And after uh-huh. the first set, she, she came to me afterwards and said, Celia, I had no idea. <laughs> Just like, you know, like, you are this and you're this. She said all of these amazing things. I can't remember what she said. I just, I just banged. She said, you're this, 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 this. And she said, you are like a bard to the bone. And we That's just so both fun. erupted laughing because it was so right. <laughs> and when I left uh, Tucson and drove to San Antonio, I, I spent that time driving writing a song called Bard to the Bone, which kind of explains how you can't explain it. If you've come to a concert and you try to explain what your friend's going to see, if you bring them to a Celia concert, it's really hard, which is wonderful and also challenging to um, box and package what I do live on stage because people Mm -hmm. like that. People like to understand what they're going to see before they go see it. And unfortunately and fortunately, I'm a little hard to box. And, um, and that's why I think, yeah, people do sometimes become shocked when they see me do really, really, really silly things. And to me, I can't live without both. <laughs> I need to do both. So I'll keep doing it as long as it feels good. Absolutely, and I guess um, you're right. We tend to label people. You know, you're this type of performer. You're this type of performer, and your rage range is phenomenal. I mean, it, it again, it is so much fun. Um, where did the um, idea for the trestle fairy come from? <laughs> I love this story. Um, 
I was, uh, this was many, many years ago, I was driving in my car and my sister was there and she was kind of driving her friends and her and we were all going for a hike in Wisconsin. Uh And I was just sort of half listening to the conversation and she was talking about the drafting desk that she just got from Ikea because she was in architectural school and this drafting Uh desk had trestle feet, which is kind of like an L-shaped um, you know, underneath a drafting desk, it's like an L-shaped uh-huh. way of supporting it instead of four pegs, right? And she said trestle feet, and I don't know where it came from, but in that voice, in trestle's voice, I said, okay, said the trestle foot fairy, and that's how she was born. Uh, <laughs> I swear to you, that's how she was born. That's and so I started fun. playing with voices, and... Um, there's a, there's a saying about Capricorns. We say, I'm, I'm a lot younger than I used to be. When I was younger, I was very serious. And the older I get, the sillier I get. And so I was probably just about to be 30 at that point when I started playing with the Trestlefoot Fairy. And I started, it was a time when people used to leave each other phone messages, not texts. And so I would, you know, leave somebody a phone message just to confirm that we were getting together for coffee. And I'd, I'd say, hey, I just want to make sure that we're still on for coffee at 3 o'clock. Um, uh, just down the street from your house and oh there's somebody who else wants to talk to you and I hand the phone to Trestle and she said yeah I'm excited to have coffee with you too and I want to sit right across from you so that I can look you right in the eye and if Celia so you can talk to her too but I, I really want to spend time with you um, and maybe we can maybe we can talk about flowers and whatever you know whatever would come out it's just so fun then, I mean you really do have a transformation on stage it is amazing Thank you. Yeah, there's probably up to 10 characters now, and I have, I've been casting a drool towards putting together a, a you know, YouTube comedy channel or something like that. Um, but people started leaving me messages back with their silly voices, and it was just so much fun. And then her, the very first song that Trestle ever wrote was the cell phone song, How Could I Live Without My Cell Phone? And it just tumbled from there. I'm looking at my list of what we have of Bear Music. Is Healthcare Blues, isn't that one of the Trestle Foot Fairy songs? It is, and there's two versions. Um, you probably have the newer version. I don't know. All right, well, let's listen to that, and you can let us know. Sure. And you're 
And it's been a long road for me to really grasp that and really dedicate my life to that. But I finally come to a place where that is my absolute truth. And it's what I'm here for. And I, the way I do it is with music and comedy. And any, my songs have lots of different themes, lots and lots. Of, I just, just wrote a song called um, I Got a Crush on Ganesh, which I'm launching my Patreon page with. So it could be anything. Absolutely. Well, right now, let's hear one of my favorites, Bridget of the Sacred Waters. Did 
mentioned your new song, Crush on Ganesh, and it was part of being a patron. Tell us, this is something new for me, so tell me all about it. (laughs) Okay, bless you, thank you. So there is a site called patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. What that is is a platform for fans to pledge almost like a subscription on a monthly basis, and in return they get content from artists. So, there's, you know, there's people who do comic strips, there's people who do videos, there's musicians. Of course, I'm one of the musicians. So what I'm doing is um, every month I am writing and recording and releasing a song a week. And that's one of the tier levels that you can donate. Um, That one's $10 a month, and you get four brand-new songs that nobody else gets because they're exclusive. I might release them later, but they're for patrons. And um, so there's there's lots and lots of other goodies. I don't want to get into that. You can go to my Patreon page, which which is patreon.com slash Celia Farron. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash C-E-L-I-A-F. As in Frank, A R R A N as in Nancy. And so I just kicked that off. It was like a year in the making. I'm so busy all the time, and I really had to just focus on it and, and get it done. So I kicked off the Patreon page just this Monday. Um, that was yesterday with a brand new song, which was inspired by the um, songwriter group that I'm in. It used to be once a week, and now we get a prompt every month. And the uh-huh. prompt this month, is how that song came to be. So just a fun little story. I was driving from Flagstaff uh, to Santa Fe, and I was talking to my host, my friend Niall, and he said, I think we'll put you in the Ganesh room this time. And I was talking to another friend, and as soon as I got to Santa Fe with this, I hate to tell you this, but there is an elephant in your room. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed so hard um, because... The prompt for that month was write a song based on the last text that you got. Oh, how And fun. that's how I Got a Crush on Ganesh got written and, and performed. Now, we're going to play it today, but it, it won't be heard anywhere else but on Patreon. So if, if you're out there and you really, really want this song, just go to my Patreon page. It's only $5 for this month because it's the one song of the month for $5 to become a patron. And you'll also get it uh, at any tier level above that. So that's what Patreon is. That's what I got a crush on Ganesh is. And I had so much fun writing and recording this song. I can't wait to share it. All right. Let's hear Crush on Ganesh. There's an elephant in my toaster oven. There's an elephant under my chair. There's an elephant in my stitch and bitch coven. There's an elephant in my hair. There's an elephant in my rearview mirror. There's an elephant in my car. There's an elephant in my coffee mug. There's an elephant in my honey jar. But nobody's talking about the nobody's talking about the elephant in my room. He's bold and beautiful, sleek and shiny. He makes me sweat. Yeah, I think I'm in love with the elephant in my room. Ganesh, 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 I got a god crush on 
Ganesh Ganesh, Ganesh, Ganesh The package to my love the best I've got a crush on Ganesh He's a benevolent elephant to la la He's the remover of obstacles He's a benevolent elephant to la 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 How could I not fall in love?
for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Radio. And remember, we're here each Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Mountain, and 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Each week, we'll explore topics of various interests to the pagan community. Next week, we should hear another musician who will be featured at PSG. I hope you all enjoyed tonight's show with Music at PSG with Celia. I know I did. We'll now transition our show with a musical selection from Celia. Blessed be.
You're listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans Unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 